Hey guys, and welcome back to the FFP. My name is Christian, and me and Rob will be taking turns today breaking down a bunch of players that you should be considering in week 11 as your waiver wire considerations looking toward how you can round out your lineup and plug and play some guys, whatever it is that you're going to need to do to win a championship. There will be timestamps down in the description below, as always, to help save you guys some time. And make sure to use that comment section down below. You can say pretty much anything that you want down there, so feel free to do so. And asking for advice, leaving comments, heck, tell us that we're stupid if you you want to or leave us advice somebody was talking to us actually a few people were talking to us about maybe getting a better background or getting a nice ffp sign to hang up that'd be really cool we'd love to do those things and that's stuff that we're looking at too and we want to talk to it talk to you guys about it so um use the comment section down below like this video and subscribe if you appreciate what we're doing because we appreciate your support let's not waste any more time let's get right into it with the first consideration the guy out there you need to take a look at is Jags quarterback Nick Foles, who's 85% available out there. So he's available in almost all leagues. Now, I think one of the biggest mistakes that owners make that really cause a lot of teams not to have play of success is their lack of ability or um, lack of foresight to project forward. They're not looking ahead to matchups come playoff times. We talk about looking forward to weeks 14, 15, and 16, the fantasy playoffs. It's important to do that. Now, before we talk about that a little bit more, um, don't make the other mistake, which is you look ahead so far to the playoffs that in the meantime, you compromise your lineups and you don't make the playoffs. But I'll say this, in a week or two, you should have a pretty good idea if you're going to make the postseason. If you're a team that looks like you're projected to make the postseason, make plans, look ahead, look at matchups week 14, 15, and 16. Now, Foles has a great matchup coming up. You look at his next six games, here's who he plays. He plays the Colts, Titans, the Bucks, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Atlanta Falcons. Three of the last four weeks, right, that he's in, three of the last four weeks, two of those are playoff weeks, he's got great matchups. Consider this. This is his schedule come playoff time. Um... He gets to play Tampa Bay, who allow the fourth most points to quarterbacks, Oakland allowing the third most points to quarterbacks, and Atlanta allowing the second most points to quarterbacks. That's a very quarterback-friendly schedule that he's got coming up here. Now, I think for me, like the question is, who is Nick Foles? And I think that we know him. A lot of people think Nick Foles, they think about make some of the magic that he had in tough situations. One year he took over for Wentz in 2017, and everybody, myself included, thought, okay, the Eagles are not going anywhere. They're done now that Carson Wentz went out. Uh, Carson Wentz was having a phenomenal year. In fact, a lot of people projected at that point he would have won the MVP had he stayed healthy. So it looked like the Eagles season was over. Foles takes over. They go on. They win the Super Bowl. Has a great postseason run there. Looks great. And he was clutched the year after that. Uh, he comes in late in the year, and he leads the Eagles back to the playoffs. So this is a guy that looks like he's a good pressure player. He's had some clutch games. He's had some magic days work um, come postseason there. But we think that he's more than a flash in the pan. We think that this guy, Kennan, has had regular season success. And this is a guy that you can trust a little bit here. He was phenomenal back in 2013. Back in 2013, he had a great season. And if you didn't know it, back in 2013, here's what he did. There you had 27 touchdown passes in only 13 games. and only had two interceptions. That's an amazing year. In fact, his quarterback rating that season of 119 was the third best ever single season quarterback rate among quarterbacks. The only ones that have had better is one year Peyton Manning and the other year Aaron Rodgers. So he's had some good success in the postseason there. Now, after that, he did take a step back. He had that huge year, took a step back a little bit there. But I think that was more the, the system and the situation that he was in that I don't really blame him for there. Uh, one, he was a quarterback of the Rams one year, and he had to deal with really what I would call an antiquated coach Fisher. You take that uh, offense. A uh, year after that, that offense with Fisher at the helm there as the head coach, Ended up being the worst in the NFL. They scored only 14 points a game. He gets fired the year after that. McVay takes over, and they become number one offense in the NFL. Uh, Fisher had to go. Uh, he once again, very antiquated coach, um, especially when it comes to offensive stuff there. He had to move on. 
And you look at that year, his best wide receivers were Tavon Austin and Kenny Britt. So he didn't have great weapons there. In 2014, uh, Chip Ingram, now the first year he came in, Chip Ingram had some success. He did some things in college that kind of translated, I think, early on, but eventually the NFL caught up to him, and those gimmicks just didn't work anymore. And that just didn't translate into the NFL. And then a year after that, Chip uh, Kelly gets fired. He goes to San Francisco for one year, ends up 2-14, and 14, gets fired there. Uh, so once again, I think he had to deal with a system where it just didn't translate well into the NFL there. That same year after... Uh, Foles left a game during the first half. He broke his collarbone, and he was put on the injury reserve, and that ended his 2014 season there, and Mark Ch Sanchez took over there. I guess what I'm trying to say is that, look at Nick Foles. In the right situation, with good weapons, he can be successful. So I think one of the things he's got going for him, I think that's really huge, is the development of DJ Chark. I think Chark gives him a legitimate wide receiver one option there. In fact, if you know, he had an early connection rapport with Chark. It was on a 35-yard touchdown pass to Chark that Nick Foles broke his collarbone. So hopefully that's an indication that those guys have rapport and he's going to continue to look in his way. That gives him what I would say a, a number one, a quality wide receiver one to throw to. I think uh, Leonard Fournette's development is a huge boost to Nick Foles' value there. Uh, you look at Fournette, he's really taking that next step forward after having a very bad year last year. And one of the ways that he's improved, Leonard Fournette's improved in the passing game. Right now he's got 40 catches through nine games. He's also run the ball very, very well. On the year, he's got a career-best 4.8 yards per carry. And him running the ball so effectively, it opens up a lot for him in play action. And it leaves a lot of pressure off of Nick Foles when you can run the ball well. There, so that's a huge boost. You add to that D.D. Westbrook, Chris Conley, Keelan Cole. There's some good weapons there. This is a guy that's a great stream. He's got a great schedule. you got to really consider Nick Foles moving forward as an option for you as your quarterback. All right, so I think you should be considering wide receiver Nelson Aguilar of the Philadelphia Eagles. And one of the biggest reasons for this simply being that Deshaun Jackson has been placed on the IR. He's going to miss the rest of the season, or at least um, if he does manage to come back, it, it's not legal for him to continue playing with the Eagles. But he'll be on the IR. He won't be playing. Just going to give a big boost to Nelson Aguilar, who's had some big games this year. He's been very hot and very cold. Of course, he gets a boost from having a good quarterback like Carson Wentz, and he does get a boost from being really bumped up into safely and securely that number two wide receiver. I think we can all feel like he is almost definitely going to be that number two wide receiver for the rest of the year. Now, some things we do like and we don't like. I do like that he's 84% available, so you can pick this guy up. And he's going to have some value to your team. I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of value. I would pick him up with the expectation that he comes in as probably a wide receiver five or maybe a wide receiver six for you. I don't imagine he's going to craft a lot of starting lineups most weeks. One of the weeks that he's not going to crack a starting lineup being this coming week versus the New England Patriots. So keep that in mind when you pick him up. Now, here's the thing. He comes out the first couple of games and he looks great. Game one, he doesn't look great, but then Deshaun Jackson goes down and so does Alshon Jeffrey. And he has, in week two, he has 11 targets, eight catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown. And in week three, at 12 targets, eight catches, 50 yards, and two touchdowns. Both games, he scored over 25 fantasy points. He was phenomenal when both those guys were out. But consider a few things. One, both those guys were out. Now Alshon Jeffrey's back. So those were in games where he was the wide receiver. One, he was getting uh, 11 and a half, 12 targets in both those games. And so... You know, that's definitely dropped. As well as he played the Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions. Very, very bad pass defenses. So there's a lot to consider there. We take back uh, the last six games since then. In the last six games, he has 26 targets, 14 catches, 114 yards, and zero touchdowns. That's an average of 4.3 targets, 2.3 catches, and just 19 yards per game. As far as fantasy goes, he is averaging 1.9 
fantasy points per game in standard leagues and 6.2 average fantasy points per game in PPR leagues. Now, like I say, he's very hot and he's very cold. He's secured some value by knowing Deshaun Jackson will be out, and I think the Eagles are probably going to lean towards using him a little bit more now that they know they're going to have to use him the rest of the year. They're also fighting for the division with the Dallas Cowboys, who just lost tonight. Go Vikes. Um, so that, that's all some things that go very well for him. He's extremely volatile. He's had some great games. He's had some bad games. I would consider him as a as a wide receiver, five or six, but nothing more. That's what I got to say on him. If you guys have any more questions, leave a comment down below. Another guy I want to talk about is Ronald Jones, running back of Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who's 35% available out there. Now, next week he plays the New Orleans Saints, who give up the fourth fewest points to backs. They don't give a lot of points to running backs out there, but it's one position. It's hard to, to come by uh, decent players. So if you can find any back that's even getting carries, and he's a guy right now that's really taking a lead role there. Uh, last week, Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arian said that Jones has earned a right to start and to play more snaps. He's been consistent. Coach went on to say this. He's more explosive. It's not that Peyton Barber did anything wrong. Just simply, he's been more effective of the two backs. Jones has outrushed Barber heading into this week, 314 yards to 265 on five fewer carries, so he's been more efficient. Uh, today, Jones went out. He had 11 carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. Now, that wasn't great as far as the yards per carry. It wasn't extremely efficient or effective there in that area. Now, one of the concerns that uh, people have had with Jones in his games is he's been deficient is a, a pass-catching back. His wasn't great coming out of the backfield. Uh, it was a concern last year. It was, once again, a deficiency in his game. But they've been working hard on improving that area, and he's improved greatly. In fact, today he showed how far he's come in that area. Today he went out and he had eight catches for 77 yards. On the air, he's had four rushing touchdowns in the last six games. Now, Peyton Barber did go up today, and he did have 11 carries and a rushing touchdown. But when you look at the two backs, if you followed the situation at all, um, it's just clear to me that Jones is the better back, more explosive, younger, more upside. And the coach sees it too, and he's now become their lead back. And so he's a guy that I would pick up, put on your bench uh, on some weeks, some matchups here, or God forbid you have injuries, he's going to help you win some games. All right, so now we take a look at wide receiver Darius Slayton of the New York Giants. He's 91% available, and there's a lot to like about him. And the first thing that I like is opportunity, which really is half the battle in fantasy football. Can these guys get the opportunity? Of course, he's had some opportunities, and we'll talk about his performance over the last few games. He's really stepped up to those opportunities, but that opportunity seemed like they're going to continue, right? It's not just about what he's done in the past, but why do we suspect he'll get the same amount of targets, uh, playing time, and such? Well, because of really this talk about Sterling Shepard being placed on the IR. Three times this year, we have, we, I mean, you know, all year long, pretty much constantly, he has been banged up with different injuries, with a nagging concussion issue, and multiple times we have heard reports about him being placed on the IR. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm expecting that it will. I, I really am expecting that it will. And in anticipation for that, pick up Darius Slayton while he's still 91% available. So when we look at the numbers here, today he had a, a, just a great day this last week. 10 catches, 122 yards, and two touchdowns. That was his most targets, or he had his most targets all year long. I'm not exactly so certain he's, certain he's going to get quite that many targets and catches every single week, but this guy's a big playmaker. In fact, he's got five touchdowns in the last six games, and four of those touchdowns came in the last three games. He has been very productive as of lately. He's a guy with a very low floor and a very high ceiling. You do accept some risk with him, so absolutely acknowledge that. But I don't necessarily know if that's entirely his fault or really the all-over-the-place, high, low, crazy, far-left, far-right play of Daniel Jones. In an easy matchup, Daniel Jones plays great. He's had some phenomenal games that make me feel like the uh, – excuse me – make me feel like the New York Giants have got their franchise quarterback who can win them Super Bowls. 
In other games, I sit back and think they're going to be drafting another one come May. But who knows at this point? So you got to play it according to matchup and understand the risk you take. But uh, I guess you can't be too picky. Biggers can't be choosers. And with as much upside as he has, he should be rostered. Now let's talk about Adrian Peterson, 45% available, and Darius Geis, who's 65% available out there. Uh, start with Geis. No, so Washington activated him Wednesday from the injured reserve list. Um, now they're playing the Jets next week, allowing the 12th most points to running backs. Now, I think if you look at the team, they're saying that they think that Geis is going to return to action against the Jets. They think he'll be back out there playing, getting snaps, etc. Um, what's his role going to be? What should we expect there? Well, I think what's going to happen there is the Redskins brass they want to know what they have for 2020 they want to know what they have in their players they want to know what they have with Darius guys he's a guy that can go out there and be effective with that said I would not waste a bench spot on him right now um maybe if it's a dynasty league and you have a large bench you could do that but I would still probably wait till he's been on the field had some carries showing he can be somewhat productive and here's why I'm not going to run to him right now and why I wouldn't pick him up Adrian Peterson is playing very very well right now he's seen significant carries and that's going to continue even with Darius back there now, interim coaches, uh, they won't come out and say it publicly. They're not going to say this. They're not going to vocalize this. But they're not as interested in the uh, team's future rebuilding. They're not. Make no mistake, they want to win games right now. They want to make their mark. They want to build their resume in hopes that this time that they have there as an interim coach will lead to them getting a full-time job. That's what they want to do. They may not say it, but let's be honest. That's what they want to do, all interim coaches. Meaning Callahan, since he's taken over, he's going to do whatever he can to give him the best opportunity to win games right now. You know what the best opportunity for him to win games right now is? Playing Adrian Peterson early and often. That's the key, I think, right now for the Redskins to have any success. Now, since he's taken over the interim coach there, their commitment to the running game has really been, a, I would say, like a rebirth for Adrian Peterson's fantasy value there. If you watch him play, if you've seen any games, you watch Adrian Peterson. It looks like this guy has turned back time. He looks like he's in his 20s again. He looks strong. He's making sharp, decisive cuts. Um, he's explosive behind a line of a line an offensive line there that a lot of other running backs for that team have struggled behind but not adrian peterson he's looking really really good during that same four game stretch that callan has taken over and committed to the run and given adrian peterson significant carries twice he's been over 100 yards rushing he's totaled during that same four game stretch 383 rushing yards and this is i love this it's not just a volume play during that same stretch his yards per carry are 5.11 that's amazing He's averaged 18.75 carries during that stretch. He's had a few catches, some receptions, looking really good there. During that same four-game stretch, he's uh, received the eighth-best running back mark from Pro Football Focus. During that four-game stretch, they're saying he has been the eighth-best running back in football. He's third in total yards rushing, seventh in yards after contact at 3.68, which is very good, 11th in elusive rating. This guy's been great. And so I think moving forward, I think Adrian Peterson is a guy that you're going to be able to play as a very solid running back to in standard leagues. He's going to get at least 15 carries a game. Um, they're going to continue to run often and early with him. So I like Adrian Peterson. Darius Geis, not as much. If you're in a dynasty league, I'd watch him, put in your watch list. Like I said, if you have a deep bench, you could do that. Um, but I wouldn't get too excited just because he's coming back right now from the IR. All right, here we got Jimmy Garoppolo. This is a guy who I didn't like a lot for most of the season, and there's a reason for that. In six of his eight games so far, he has been a borderline or low-end start in deep leagues, and in normal leagues and small leagues, he's been a quarterback you should sit, in, in, again, in six of his eight games. He's had two very good games this year, and so he's very high. I think he's very low. 
But what I like about him is he's played a lot better recently, right? I think we have to separate the old Jimmy Garoppolo from the new. The addition of Emmanuel Sanders was huge for him. In last game, he went off for 317 yards and four touchdowns, and he looks great. He looks like the quarterback that the 49ers traded to get from the Patriots. Um, he looks awesome. Combine that with an awesome, and I mean a great matchup, versus the Arizona Cardinals giving up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this season. I definitely think this is a guy to pick up. Now, he's only 25% available, but he's a guy you should definitely consider if he is available, picking up and starting. Some of you guys are going to have Russell Wilsons or Aaron Rodgers. Some of you guys are going to have great fantasy quarterbacks, and you know then that doesn't work out for you. But if you're looking for a quarterback this week, Jimmy Garoppolo very well could be that guy. I think he's going to capitalize on this matchup and have a very good day. Another guy I think you need to take a look at out there is Falcons running back Brian Hill, who is 99% available out there. Now, next week, he plays the Panthers, are allowing the fifth most points to running backs. Um, I'm in a 16-team league, actually in a few leagues, quite a few actually, um, struggle a little bit this year. I've had some injuries, some bad breaks, things like that. In a 16-team league, it's really hard to find players, and I've been plagued by injuries and bye weeks. And so I actually picked this guy up a couple days ago, um, and I looked at a few things. One, in the back of my mind, I kept thinking about how... If you look at Freeman in the last couple of years, he's been injury prone. And then you add to that, um, Ito Smith was questionable. So I kind of stashed him on my bench, had this feeling that maybe he might have a role there. And then after I grabbed him, Ito Smith goes on the IR. So that's good, right, for the for the move that I made. And then today, Freeman left with an ankle injury, and he did not return. And that's one of the reasons why we always tell you, don't waste bench space. All it takes is one play. Before you know it, a guy that's on your bench, it doesn't seem like he has a role, becomes a starting back. And this time of year, that is so valuable. Now, obviously, Hill's value is dependent on Freeman's health and availability. So we're going to have to monitor the situation. We'll find more probably late Monday, uh, early Tuesday, as far as what's going on there. And if you own uh, Freeman, Devontae Freeman, you've got to handcuff him right now with Hill, certainly at this point. He went out today, he had 20 carries, 61 yards, and he had one reception for 10 yards and a touchdown. Now, once again, we'll have to monitor the severity of Freeman's injury to determine his value in this one. Now, last year, he did finish the year out with two games where he had eight carries. Uh, he finished the year. In one game, he had eight carries for 30 yards, and then he followed that up with eight carries for 115 rushing yards. He's not going to be a good pass-catching back like Freeman, for example, but he is bigger. He's about 15 to 20 pounds bigger than Freeman and Smith. I mean, he can handle more carries just like he had 20 today. So if Freeman misses any time, this guy is definitely worth a waiver claim and a bench stash. All right, now we got to talk about Kalen Blosh. He's got one game under his belt as the starter. Game didn't look too bad for the Dolphins, that's for sure. In fact, I probably got to say congratulations. The Dolphins have looked very good over the last two weeks. So if you're a Dolphins fan, things are starting, starting to look bright up, looking bright, looking upward for you guys, uh, especially for a team that many people thought at the beginning of this year that they wouldn't win a game. But anyways, we'll talk about this. He is 68% available, and he's got a fairly good matchup, at least uh, statistically, against the Bills, who give up the 13th most fantasy points to opposing running backs. That number's skewed because the way the Bills play. They play defense, they run the ball, it's usually low-scoring games, and I think teams run on them more than they're typically able to, to run the ball against other teams. And so, I think that number's skewed a bit. I don't think that number is completely accurate. I don't think that they give up the 13th most. I would, I would give it maybe around the 15th to the 16th, 17th in that range. Um, Again, not a huge difference, but it is a difference to know. Now, he didn't play phenomenal in the last game. He just didn't. 20 carries for 43 yards. Guys, that's just 2.15 yards per carry. That's simply not enough. In addition, I'm in a PPR league. He scored 8.5 points in a PPR league. Not only is that pretty dang bad in a PPR league, but four of those points, half of his points came from receptions. So if you were in a standard league, he went out there today, and he laid you an egg, and he got you four and a half points. 
And again, in a PPR league where guys are typically scoring a lot more than that, that, that's pretty darn low. I think we need to see a lot more production before we can start this guy. But I think he's worth a roster spot. There's so many people that are so desperate at running back, um, and especially in leagues where you have a deep bench or it's a large league. Put him on your roster. Take a shot. Just wait. Wait and see. Right matchup could come along. He could play well. He could improve. That offense could continue to improve. Again, I think for a lot of us playing for championships who've really spent all year just putting together this beautiful roster with great depth and studs, and you're probably not going to do that. But I know many people, myself included in the league, who are just kind of scraping by and just um, really by the skin of our teeth hoping to have a good year and hoping to win a championship. He could definitely come in and add just a little bit more to your roster. I don't think he's ever going to be huge, though, but it's worth a shot. So that's my wrap-up for him. We'll continue on now. Let's talk about Muhammad's new 24% available and Philip Dorsett 64% available in this one. The uh, Patriots wide receivers, they're playing Cincinnati, allowing the, you know, this is a defense that's struggling quite a bit. The Bengals are allowing over 26 points per game. They're 32nd in the NFL, worst in total yards allowed at 435 total yards per game that they're allowing. This defense is not good. Now let's take a look at uh, Sanu. Uh, Julian Edelman has come out and said that he, you know, he's been singing the praise of Sanu. It sounds like this is a guy that's fitting into that team really well. Sanu is a guy that's been known in the past to be intelligent, hardworking, a great teammate. Sounds like that he's a guy that fits the Patriot way really well. And we know that if you don't buy into the Patriot way of playing or the you know Patriot system, whatever you want to call it, uh, you ain't going to stick around. You're not going to get on the field. And sounds like he's a guy that they love so far. I think he's fitting in really well there. Now, he had a quiet first week when he played versus the Browns. One, he was new to the team, still learning the offense, things like that, building rapport with Tom Brady. But two, they handled the Browns very easily. They didn't need to throw the ball much in that game. But he follows up his second game with the Patriots. He goes out versus the Ravens. He has 10 catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown on 14 targets. And if you watch the game, it was easy to see that Brady uh, was very comfortable looking his way and throwing the ball towards him already. They had good rapport there. And now if you look at his skill set, I think it's going to be, or he's going to be used very similar to uh, Julian Edelman with, for example, a Dorsett and Meyer stretching the field. But I think he's a guy that's, uh, maybe his yards per catch aren't going to be out there, but he's going to get a lot of targets, a lot of catches, very much like a slot receiver. Um, so I think that his numbers will look very similar to Julian Edelman in that one there. And I do think he has higher balance PPR leagues, a little bit lower than in standards. And his role at times will be what I would call, he's going to land in the wide receiver three category. Now, the problem with the Patriots is they spread the ball around between so many players that he's not going to rate much higher than that unless, of course, there was like an injury or something like that. But I do like uh, Mohamed Sanu. He's a guy I think you need to pick up there. Philip Dorsett. Now, here's a guy that through the years last year, this year, every once in a while, it looks like this guy's going to have huge value. It's going to go up. And every time you think this guy's going to have a role, his targets will go up and his value will go up. Each time that seems to happen, they'll add a wide receiver. Last year, they had Gordon. This year, it's new Antonio Brown. Ben Watson comes back. Uh, Rex uh, Burkett shows up. He returns from being injured. And guess like every time he feels like he's a guy that you can trust, then all of a sudden something will happen. And, and what that basically does is keeping his uh, targets lower and his volume or value lower at this point. He's not a guy that I would trust all that much. He's averaging 4.6 targets per game, 2.9 catches per game, and 37 yards per game, which are not that great. Simply the volume is not there, so I'd probably stay away from him. Now, he does have four touchdowns on there, which is very good. And he's a former first-round pick. So he's a guy I think that you need to monitor and watch. See if something changes there in that uh, team. Uh, something that might happen that would slant his value more positively. But in the meantime, he's not a guy that I would probably put on a bench. You could if you had a deep, deep bench in a large league, maybe stash him. Otherwise, I'd probably just put him on your watch list at this point. 
All right, wide receiver Curtis Samuel. Now he's 26% available, which isn't highly available. And I'm not actually a major fan of him, but if you're looking for a wide receiver pickup to replace an injury or replace a bye week guy, Curtis Samuel is a route that you could go. Plays the Atlanta Falcons, who most weeks, I mean, they just beat the Saints and they managed to put up a lot of points most weeks. And they actually give the fifth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. That could be a great matchup for him. In addition, he's got four touchdowns in the last eight games. Three of those touchdowns came in the last five games, and he's got touchdowns in back-to-back -back games. This guy's been finding the end zone quite a bit. Now, they say touchdowns are king. I completely believe that, and yet it still makes me nervous when almost all of the guy's fantasy value comes from his ability to find the end zone. So for me, I don't think he's a guy that I want to play every week. I don't necessarily want to start him week in and week out. But in a good matchup against the Falcons that can score points, I definitely would consider this a week to call him a fair plug and play, a solid wide receiver three. So we talked about Nick Foles earlier in the Jags. Let's continue talking about Jags a little bit and D.D. Westbrook, who's 39% available and Chris Conley, 81% available there. Next week, they play the Colts who give the 10th fewest points to wide receivers. So that matchup is not good, but afterwards, that matchups that those wide receivers are going to have are great. Consider this. Afterwards, they play Tampa Bay, Oakland, and Atlanta. They give Tampa Bay gives up the most points to wide receivers. Oakland gives up the third most points to wide receivers. And Atlanta gives up the fifth most points to wide receivers. So they got great or excellent matchups coming up here. Now, D.D. Westbrook is a clear number two guy, I would say, after D.J. Chark. Now, minus two games uh, where he struggled. One of those games that D.D. didn't have a big game. He got injured in that game. Minus that, um, he's been a very solid play on the year. D.D. Westbrook has averaged 63 yards, five catches on 8.7 targets per game there. And I think both him and Chark are going to benefit from Nick Foles coming back. who's going to get the ball downfield farther. The average distance of throws or airtime on those throws is going to be considerably larger than Gardner Minshew. Who, by the way, played very well. Give the credit. Um, that rookie played really, really well. I think he's going to have a great future in the NFL. Um, but he's still a rookie, and he still needs time to develop. And he showed some of that rookie inexperience versus the Texans, who have a very bad defensive backfield. Um, he struggled quite a bit there. Nick Foles is the better quarterback at this point of their careers. Now, assuming D.D. returns, which uh, he didn't play last game, but he was close to returning, but now he, he didn't make out. They sat him out close to returning. He did have a bye week, so he should be good to go come out of the bye week there, and he should play in that one. And if that has the, if that's the case, if D.D. Westbrook comes back, we assume that he's going to. Uh, Chris Conley is somebody that I would avoid. In fact, uh, even if D.D. Westbrook sits one more game, I think I would still avoid Chris Conley. And here's why. I think Conley's role is unstable. Uh, last week when D.D. Westbrook was out and he played, a lot of people thought he was going to have a big game and he didn't. And the reason why is Keelan Cole. Uh, Keelan Cole, who, by the way, last year at times looked really good. Looked like this is a guy that could become maybe a number one or number two wide receiver in that offense there. He had a great game. He had a... Uh, Six targets, five catches, and 80 yards. And basically what that does, that makes Chris Conley's value unstable. I'd probably stay away from Chris Conley. But D.D. Westbrook is a guy that you got to grab. He's got a great wide receiver schedule going down the stretch there. Grab that guy. Play him as a wide receiver three. He's going to win you some games. All right, now Devontae Parker is a guy that I think you should consider picking up at 50% available, but you're going to have to have a little bit of foresight, and here's why. I don't think you should start him this week. I don't think you're picking him up and putting him on your roster for what he's going to do for you this week. This week he plays the Bills, giving the seventh fewest fantasy points to wide receivers, and he's going to have to line up, or excuse me, line across from Tredavious White, only allowing 59% of his throws to be completed and only allowing 35.8 receiving yards per game. This could very well be a very bad day for Devontae Parker, but you scratch that and move on. Let's have some foresight and look to the future for those of us who want a better option in a couple of weeks. 
This guy's been productive lately. He's got four touchdowns in the last six weeks, playing for a team that's starting to play better and their quarterback situation has seemingly improved. Um, I think a lot of that is due to just the team as a whole playing better, some fixes on the offensive line, some coaching scheme fixes and stuff like that, and maybe just sharpening their tools. Funny, it comes after losing a lot of guys, including Preston Williams who actually, the loss of Preston Williams for the year has been a major boost to Devontae Parker, who saw 10 targets in this last game that he played in, which is tied for his season high in targets. So I think Devontae Parker is a guy who's trending up right now, and I definitely think you should pick him up. Certainly add solid depth to your wide receiving core. Um, I don't love him. I don't think he's got the highest ceiling. I don't think he's ever going to be a wide receiver one for you. But at this point in the season, I think you'd be absolutely stupid to look at the free agent waiver wire and complain you're not getting a wide receiver one or two. I think he's a fair wide receiver three, especially in the right matchup. Let's talk about Hunter Renfro, the wide receiver for the Raiders, who's 91% available, so he's widely available out there. Now, next week, he plays the Bengals, who only give the 13th fewest points to wide receivers. That's not very good, right? According to that number, it seems like a defense that's tough on wide receivers, but that defense is not good. Part of the reason why that number is not good is that defense overall is bad. You can run the ball in them on will. They give up a ton of points. Teams often are leading by quite a bit in the second half versus the Bengals and don't need to throw the ball much. Those defensive backs are not good. They can be exposed. Now, the smaller slot receivers really begin to build rapport with what I would say an underrated Derek Carr at this point. In fact, the rookie started slow this year, but the last three games, his involvement in that offense and his effectiveness has gone up considerably. During that time, he's had 4.6 catches, 61 yards, adding two touchdowns during that stretch. During that stretch, Pro Football Focus has given him the 13th best wide receiver ranking during that three-game stretch. He's somebody who's trending up, and he's worth what I would call a bench stash. Now, he's not somebody that I would trust starting. I would put him on my bench, but I wouldn't start him quite yet. A uh, few reasons why. One, he's a rookie. He's got three games, but he needs a bigger uh, sample size before we can trust him. But another reason why I wouldn't quite trust starting him yet is this. John Gruden has got the Raiders and Derek Carr playing really well at this point, um, but they play smart. They love to feed Josh Jacobs, who's been very effective running back, running the ball very well. They love to spread the ball around to their wide receivers, their tight ends. Um, they're very conservative, and that approach really hurts fantasy value of certain players like Hunter Renfro. But I do like the guy. He's a guy that if you're desperate, if you're at large leagues, you can put him on your bench and wait to see where he's going to be maybe a week or two. But keep an eye on this kid. He's getting better and better each week. All right, now I'd like to talk about wide receiver Deontay Johnson and James Washington. Deontay Johnson is 80% available, and James Washington is 94% available. Um, the reason I want to address this because it's a difficult situation. I'm not going to say a whole lot on it. Um, just to address, I guess, put a little numbers into the fact that I think it's a situation you should typically avoid. And, and here's why. It's funny, we head into, because it's just, it's so interesting. We're heading into the year and James Washington looks like the guy. Many people believe he's going to be the guy. He stinks. He was struggling. He was playing bad. So they come in, they bring in uh, Deontay Johnson. And he performs better than James Washington, but not great. Now, recently, James Washington has made some improvements, and actually over the last few games, the last three games to be exact, they have split targets 11 to 10, with James Washington actually leading by one target. Furthermore, James Washington has outscored him 35 to 33 in fantasy points over the last three games. So they've been actually had a couple of good games recently. The problem is I feel like you're playing Russian roulette, you're gambling, on a guy who could possibly get you 20 fantasy points. Maybe he gets you a touchdown and 80 yards and five catches. Like that's sort of a range for these sort of guys. But you're also gambling on a guy who might get two catches for 19 yards and no touchdown. Um, I don't trust his quarterback, Mason Rudolph, very, or their quarterback, Mason Rudolph, very much. And then again, if one of them had that sole job behind Juju, if one of them was like, I'm the clear number two, 
then we can feel a lot more confident about it, but they're not. They're, they're dead splitting targets the last few games, and I think it's a situation to avoid. But I did want to address that because many people were asking simply because they're so highly available. And I like that we're looking for highly available players, but sometimes players are highly available because they're not that great. Um, definitely consider looking at them because I don't think they're the worst plays in the world. I don't think they're the worst wide receivers in the world. Um, but quite honestly, as Rob always says, the best thing for that situation would be for one of them to kind of get hurt or something. And that would offer us a clarity. But move on now. That's really all I got to say on the subject. I just think the way things currently sit, it, it's not a situation I want to be too much involved in. Looking for a quarterback out there to stream. Josh Allen's another guy that you should grab. 24% available. Plays Miami allowing the six most points to quarterbacks. And today he went out and he did what he typically does. 266 passing yards. Um, respectable, not great. Um, he had zero touchdown passes. Um, on his good days, he might get you one or two touchdown passes, right? But here's what he does, and this is what he did today. His legs save him. That's what makes him a good quarterback in fantasy. And he went out today and he had 28 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. That gives him six for the year after he had eight last year. So this is a guy that around the goal line, he's often uh, going to get these rushing touchdowns. Now he's had four consecutive weeks where he's over 20 fantasy points. He's done that actually seven out of nine times this year where he's averaged over 20 fantasy points per game. Uh, the guy's not pretty out there. He's not exciting to watch. He's not going to get you gaudy throwing yards, but he's going to be a very solid fantasy play. So really consider Josh Allen out there as a guy to pick up if you need to stream a quarterback. All right, so let's talk about Derek Carr. Derek Carr's 54% available. I think he's definitely a quarterback stream and waiver wire pickup this week that you should be considering. First of all, he's got a good matchup versus the Cincinnati Bengals, giving the fifth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. That right there is obviously just a huge boost for him, right? I mean, that, boom, I think a great matchup is always something to consider. But he's got Tyrell Williams, he's got Darren Waller, he's got Hunter Renfro, he's got Josh Jacobs. That offense actually has a lot more weapons, a lot more talent now than we were really expecting there to be heading into the season. A guy like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller were both really nice surprises. And so... I think we definitely have to reconsider what we used to think about that offense. Now, it's sort of been that way for a while, so I don't think we're any more surprised at this week. But again, the good matchup. And here's what really uh, surprises me, interests me, and really for me, it says that this is definitely an offense that's trending upward recently. And again, in a good matchup, you should play. So Derek Carr has eight touchdowns in the last four games, or excuse me, I should say eight passing touchdowns over the last four games. That's better than in the previous five weeks when he combined for six. So he's been trending up and finding the end zone more, and that offense has been scoring. And I wanted to sit down and just look at the numbers. What has been really equating to that increased production from Derek Carr? And that has simply been more production from the offense as a whole, in particular, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has five touchdowns and three games of over 100 rushing yards apiece in just the last five games. The last five games have been great for that offense as a whole. You can tell that John Gruden is really starting to figure some things out. And I've just been impressed the way they've been playing. So again, you combine an offense with actually a pretty good amount of weapons that's trending upward, has a good matchup at 54% available. I like Derek Carr. I would like to clarify, I don't think Derek Carr is a quarterback that you should be starting and playing every week. He does have a tendency to struggle in tough matchups, but under the right circumstances, he does have value. He's also a little bit limited by the fact that they're playing Cincinnati. I don't think he's going to throw 350 yards and four touchdowns, simply because the Bengals are not a great team. But he is a safe pick, and that's what I like about him. If you're streaming quarterback at this point in the season, honestly, a safe pick, good matchup, good weapons, that's really as good as you can ask for. So that's really why I think you should be considering Derek Carr at this point.
Zach Pascal, 54% available. Plays the Jaguars next week. Who allow the 15th fewest points to wide receivers. Uh, Hilton's probably going to miss at least another week. I would say probably two. Campbell's out right now. So he's the number one guy. Um, but as the number one wide receiver this week, he really disappointed. He had seven targets, and he only turned that into two catches for 26 yards. Um, after having some good games, he disappointed. I'm going to chalk that up to Brian Hoyer's bad play. Uh, he did not play good there. Cost India a game they lost. Uh, it had to be a crushing blow for you guys there. After losing Luck, you lose, you know, Jacoby Brissett. But I will say this wide receiver in the right matchup, okay, he can have some wide receiver three value for you. So he's not a guy you're going to pick up each week and you're going to play each week. But I'd definitely say he's on your bench. He should probably be about a wide receiver five on your team. All right, now we've got Des Bryant. Now, some people asked some questions about this. I think there's been some news and some rumors about Des Bryant saying, hey, he's come out and he kind of tweeted that he wants to be playing. He wants to be back in the NFL this season. Of course, that's good news for him. Maybe he'll get on a roster. Who knows exactly what's going to happen? But some people had some questions, right? So let's talk about it. For starters, he is 99% available. I'm sure he's available in some leagues, but actually I believe if you check your league site, it'll typically say 100%. Um, for those of you who don't know, he was previously banged up with an Achilles injury that lasted quite a while and really held him up. In fact, it has been since December of 2017. That was the last time he caught a pass. It has been a very, very long time. I'm going to keep things pretty short and pretty simple. I don't think Des Bryant holds fantasy value to your team. I think he's an exciting name. He was a monster before back in 2014. He had like 1,400 receiving yards and I believe 12 touchdowns. A long time ago, so my memory definitely fades. Um, but it's, you know, it's always exciting. A guy like Antonio Brown or a Des Bryant, right? Guys who definitely had huge careers before. We always want to see, hey, wait, when did they come back? Josh Gordon, uh, this last year, a oh, huge example heading into this year. Um, just the fact that he even played and got unsuspended. We always get really excited when we find out these guys are going to continue to play. But do they really hold fantasy value? Des Bryant is 31 years old. He hasn't caught a pass since late in 2017, and it's been since 2014. 2014 is the uh, most recent time period where he went over 900 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. He's going to come back in. He is going to be rusty. He's going to play for a team where he doesn't know the offense. He's got to work his way in. Quite honestly, I don't see almost any fantasy value here. Something to monitor. I could be wrong. Maybe he was banged up with injuries and he's going to go right back to the old Des Bryant and he's going to be a monster and he's going to have some great games for you. But I really doubt it. I also think that many of you people watching at this point, you've got good rosters. You're probably going to make the playoffs. And I think you've probably got some good wide receivers. Maybe not all your wide receivers are great, but I don't imagine you're quite this desperate. There's honestly a very good chance that guy like Des Bryant goes to a team and maybe doesn't even make a team. Maybe he makes a team and he's sitting there as the wide receiver three, four, five. I don't expect him to come in as a wide receiver one or two on almost any rosters. Even when you look at the teams who are considered to be teams that would want to target him, um, I was looking through many different articles by many other people because I was curious what other people thought of were likely locations for him to land. Teams like the 49ers, the Saints, the Bears, the Texans. The 49ers got their number one wide receiver. They've also got their tight end. They've got a good running game and good defense. They don't desperately need an aging wide receiver like Des Bryant. The Saints... That offense is awesome right now. They've got two good running backs. They've got a good tight end. They've got a good wide receiver. They're fine. They could add a number two wide out. But with Des Bryant, really, is he honestly going to come in as their number two? Probably not. A team like the Bears, bad quarterback situation. They've got their number one wide out, and they've got their running back. So even, even they're not too desperate. Texans, they've got a lot of wide receivers there. I mean, when you just list goes on and on and on, and when you just look at it, I don't see there being a whole lot of value to him even if he came out as a wide receiver three for a roster, which again, I'd, I'd quite honestly, guys, I'd be surprised. 
Um, I think he's probably going to go somewhere. And, and unfortunately, poor Des Bryant, he's probably going to be a wide receiver four or five. He's probably not going to be anyone with huge value like he used to be. Um, but that's just me being completely honest. Do monitor the situation. I always put that out there for, for preference because occasionally I'm wrong. But that's my wrap-up for him. Don't, don't buy the hype. And there's Marquise or Hollywood Brown. I think everybody calls him. That's his nickname, right? Hollywood Brown out there. He's available in about 30% of the leagues. Now, he's playing the Texans allowed the fourth most points to wide receivers. First round pick today went out, had a good game, four catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, no doubt this guy has value. No doubt he has talent. In fact, I feel bad I'm about to say what I'm going to say because I actually had him going today. A couple leagues, he's very helpful for me. But I do think his fantasy value is limited. Once again, guy's got a lot of talent, but I think the system he plays in will limit his value a little bit there. Um, obviously, he's a rookie, so that's always going to limit the player. But today, he had a good game on just four targets. He caught all four of his catches. He's going to see low volume in this offense. And set, in fact, since week two, his targets have fallen every week since then. They went from 13 to 9 to 7 to 5, and then back-to-back -back weeks of only four targets. He's a very talented, fast-wide receiver, but the Ravens love to spread the ball around. Okay, They use everybody that's on that field. Uh, they love using their tight ends often. They love to run the ball with Ingram, Edwards, Lamar, and even you know RG3 had a carry today. Um, he's got a great matchup next week, but he's got a lower ceiling. Now, he does have value. I'd say if you're going to determine where his value, he's got more value in standard leagues than he does in PPR leagues. So he's out there, does have value. Got to look at the matchup. Uh, he's a guy that's very talented, but don't get excited. Don't expect him to go back and do what he did in week one, but he'll put up some decent numbers in the right matchup for you based on your league size and your bench depth. <clears throat> so I think we got to talk about Terry McLaurin. Now, for those of you who are like me, you love Terry McLaurin, and you're probably scratching your head right now saying, why is Terry McLaurin in our free agent waiver wire video? That doesn't make much sense to me. Well, he's actually 30% available in most leagues. That's insane. In a, basically almost a third of all leagues, he is out there. You need to pick this guy up. You absolutely need to pick this guy up for so many reasons. For starters, he's got a good matchup against the Jets this week, who give the six most fantasy points to wide receivers. So... He could very well have a good week, and then sure enough, Terry McLaurin's value goes up, and he gets picked up in some of the remainder of those leagues. But let's break down his numbers, because his year's been both very hot and very cold. And I'm gonna, I, I don't want to waste too much time on this, so I'm going to break it down. When Case Keenum plays, he is phenomenal. Um, when any other quarterback is under center, when it's not Case Keenum, he has absolutely struggled. Dwayne Haskins has just not been the rookie quarterback that they have liked. Now, Dwayne Haskins still has plenty of time in his career, and the jury is not out. This is not an indictment on the way that he has been playing or me insulting him or saying he can't play in the NFL. But the way he has been playing in the NFL has been to the detriment of Terry McLaurin's phenomenal play. Get this. So over the first six games of the season— Case Keenum started or played the majority of, he had basically four starts in those first six games. He had the first three, and then he had the sixth. So he played game one, two, three, had two games off, and then he played in game six. And in those games with Case Keenum, here's Terry McLaurin's stat line. It is crazy good. He had seven targets, five catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Then he had five catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Eight catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Then there's the two-game gap. Case Keenum comes back, Terry McLaurin, boom, four catches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. And in fact, in that game, Case Keenum threw, threw, excuse me, threw for 166 yards. So two-thirds of Case Keenum's passing yards went to Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is a stud wide receiver. A couple of years from now, maybe next year or the year after, 
he's going to be the Michael Thomas, the DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to be the Calvin Johnson. He is a stud wide receiver. I am absolutely hyped on this guy. We see young running backs coming like Saquon Barkley. We get excited. That's how I feel about Terry McLaurin. You need to pick this guy up. In fact, he is on pace for 20 touchdown passes had he played a full 16 games with Case Keenum. That's, of course, not going to happen, but that's his production. He's got five touchdown passes in four games with Keenum. That has just been absolutely phenomenal, or excuse me, in those four games with Keenum. But just pick this guy up. I don't care if you're in a small league. If you're in a 10-team league, doesn't matter. Case Keenum, or excuse me, Terry McLaurin, still pick him up. Because when Case Keenum starts, Terry McLaurin is a must-start. Not only that, but his matchups coming up are really, really easy. Next week, he plays a team that gives up the six most passing, or excuse me, the six most fantasy points to wide receivers. And then after that, it's the 10th most, the 8th most. Then it's the 25th. That's a tough week. Then it's the 7th most and the 3rd most. And then that rounds us up all the way to week 16. Of course, I didn't include week 17. That doesn't have any fantasy relevance. Um, but seriously, that is so much. Five of his six coming matchups are in the 10 easiest matchups out there. Uh, he is a phenomenal play. Go after this guy. Get him. I don't even care if you're in a small league. He is just that good. Rob is, of course, not with me here with me right now, but uh, I'm sure that he would agree. Anyways, I'll pass it back to Rob now. Let's talk about wide receiver Christian Kirk of the Cardinals, who is 24% available. So for about a fourth of you out there, he's available, which I cannot believe this guy is out there in the waiver. Well, you got to grab this guy. Now, next week, he plays San Francisco. And they allowed the fifth fewest points to wide receivers, so the matchup is not good. In fact, last time they played San Francisco, uh, Christian Kirk only had two catches for eight yards. Now, obviously, he's going to top that this time. He's going to do a little bit better. Um, he really got shut down. Regardless, still not an ideal matchup. Yet, he's way too talented to leave on the waiver wire. you got to grab this guy if you're lucky enough to be in a league where he's still available out there. Now, he had a great matchup this week, and we really pushed him hard, especially in daily fantasy and some other things. We said, you got to grab this guy. you got to play him. He's got a great matchup. And do you see what he did today? This guy went out, he had six catches, 138 yards, and three touchdowns. He was huge. In fact, uh, he's the reason why I lost two games. So thank you, Christian Kirk, for beating me. Uh, but this guy's production is no fluke. Okay? It's not like it's just a fluke. This guy's usage and his rapport with Kyler Murray is very clear and very evident. These two are very connected to one another. He loves throwing the ball Christian Kirk's way. He had 32 targets through the first three weeks before getting injured. Then he comes back in week eight. In the next three games, he's had 26 targets. In full games, when he's been totally healthy, he's averaging 9.6 targets per game. He's highly involved in this offense right now. In fact, he's more involved, and Murray looks his way more than he does Larry Fitzgerald. you got to grab this guy. His future in the NFL is really, really bright. He was great at the combine. He had a great college career. There's Nobody out there should be surprised he's doing what he's doing. He's got a great um, – this guy's got some great skills. So pick this guy up. Even if you're not going to play him next week against San Francisco, you can't let him stay out there in the waiver wire. you got to put him on your bench. Another guy to talk about there that you may want to take a look at is Kyle Allen. Now, we talk about a lot of guys. This is probably not a guy that I'd put number one on my waiver wire claim if I needed a quarterback. But some of you guys out there in very large leagues, you play two quarterback leagues or you're in daily fantasy, and so you need to go down a little bit and try to find yourself a bargain. Kyle Allen is 89% available out there. Now, he plays Atlanta next week, who heading into week 10, we're allowing the second most points to quarterbacks. Now, at this point, Kyle Allen's not going over shoulder anymore. Cam Newton is on IR, so this is his team moving forward. And they really like this young guy. He's got a lot of talent there. People around him who watch him play speak just volume, say how mature he is, how composed in the pocket he is. Uh, they like this guy. Now, the Falcons have been brutal on defense all year. They've been just a terrible, terrible defense. But today, they shocked everybody by shutting down Breeze and the Saints this weekend. Now, heading into Week 9, Atlanta had allowed 31 points per game. That left them 30th in the NFL as far as points allowed per game. Now, they did rise to the occasion today, and they shut down the Saints. 
But I think we're being honest. I think that's probably an anomaly. This defense is not good. They've got a lot of holes. They've got a lot of deficiencies there. Um, the Falcons defense is a defense that can be exposed. They are not good. Well, Allen had a rough game versus San Francisco. If you look at his year and see how he's done, he had a rough game versus the 49ers. But that defense is excellent. Otherwise, he's had 11 touchdown passes to only two interceptions on the year. He had a career-best 307 passing yard today versus the Packers. Now, if you look at him next week, I would call it a plus-size matchup. Good upside there. But he is a rookie, and his fantasy production has been somewhat inconsistent. And a lot of that's due to the fact that they have so many rushing touchdowns. They've had 11 rushing touchdowns just to McCaffrey alone. Um, now, he's had three games this year where he's had two touchdown passers or more, but he's also had four games where he's had one touchdown pass or less. So this is one where I would call a high-risk, high-reward. Great matchup, but inconsistent rookie there as far as fantasy production goes there. So I guess you're going to have to determine what's out there, what your needs are, uh, but he's definitely someone who's got a good matchup this week. All right, so let's break down some tight ends. I want to talk about Gerald Everett. Now he's 35% available, not extremely highly available, but for a third of you out there, he should be. He plays the Bears this week, who give up the third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends, and that's good. What I really like is that last week, he had eight catches for 68 yards off of 12 targets, and he played well. That is a trend that we have seen all year long. In close games, where they're losing or they're struggling, Gerald Everett gets more usage, e.g. in, or excuse me, i.e. or whatever you want to call it, the example being in weeks four and week five. Back-to-back -back games, they lost. One of those games, they lost by one point, and he got a lot of usage in those plays. He's still not a guy that I trust, but he's a good plug-and-play in the right matchup. In a lot of matchups, um, you're simply looking for games where maybe it's a super close game or it's against a bad defense or whatever. Again, in this one, you really want to look, and he has extra value against teams that you feel like could beat them. Better teams, they use him more. I don't know why that is, but they do, and that's just been the trend all year long. In addition, he's had some uh, boosted value recently by Brandon Cooks being out, and as long as Brandon Cooks continues to be out, that also offers him a little bit more value, though not a whole lot. Um, so that is kind of the breakdown for Gerald Everett. I think he's a fair play this week. And again, I like that matchup versus the Bears. Not a guy I love every week, but if you're streaming a tight end, sometimes you just got to put up with the risk of a guy like Gerald Everett, who at the very least has high upside. 12 targets last week is very high for targets among any tight ends. Heck, even guys like Travis Kelsey aren't getting 12 targets a game. Uh, but I got one other tight end I'd like to talk about, so let's keep this video rolling. Let's talk about Jamal Williams, 25% available. Uh, now, he's not by next week, so he's not playing. But if you're looking at some bench depth, okay, if you want to add some bench depth at running back, especially if you're in PPR leagues, he's a guy that you probably want to stash. Now, Aaron Jones is still the number one back there. Aaron Jones is a phenomenal back, having a great year. But Williams has a very strong role in this offense that's not going to go away anytime soon. And PPR scoring heading into week 10, he had four consecutive weeks where he had double-digit points scored in fantasy, averaging 18 points per game during that stretch. He's a great pass blocker. They love him out there for that great and pass blocking. He's a great receiving back out of the backfield too, which keeps his his role really solid there on that team. He's got six touchdowns in eight games, and five of those are receiving touchdowns. His catches have gone up every season since he's been in the league. When he was a rookie, he was catching 1.5 catches per game. That went up to 1.69 last year, and this year, 3.13 catches per game is really good. Um, that's what he really makes his money is in the receiving game there. Now he did fail to catch a he did fail to catch a ball today in this game versus the Panthers, but he usually get at least I'd say four to five targets a game, um, and that's a low estimate there. Now today he split carries with Jones. In fact, they had a perfect split, 13 carries for both backs. Now the head coach has made it very clear he wants to keep both of these backs fresh and healthy, and he likes to see an even time share. And so I think at this point you can trust that 
Jamal Williams going forward is going to have a role there. Once again, he's not a guy that would start week to week, but if you're in a pinch, you have some injuries and whatnot, he's definitely a guy that can go on and get you uh, some points and help push you over the edge if you need him. Let's talk about McKissick, running back for the Lions, 85% available. Next week, plays the Dallas Cowboys, allowing the 17th fewest points to running backs. Now, Ty Johnson's in concussion protocol, uh, but even before Ty Johnson went to concussion protocol, when he was filling in for Carrion Johnson, uh, Ty had been very ineffective at this point. He wasn't looking very good there. Now, when we talk about concussion protocol, it used to be that it was rare that a guy had a concussion and wasn't cleared by the next week, and he almost always got cleared. It was rare occasions that they didn't. But now the NFL is a lot more cautious. And now it's uh, usually if a guy is in concussion protocol, you can expect he's probably going to miss one game there. So I'd be very surprised if Johnson doesn't miss the next game. Now, besides McKissick, another guy that would see an expanded role if he misses time would be Paul Perkins. They both have expanded roles there. Now, J.D. is a smaller back, um, but he's been known in his career to be a good pass-catching back there. He's good in space. But once again, he's great out there um, catching the ball. And limited role for Seattle in 2017, he had 34 catches that year there. And today he goes out, he has six catches, and he had 10 carries there. Um, what I think is going to happen in this game is Dak Prescott is going to move the ball, score points, and Lions are going to have to keep up with them. So I see J.D. maybe getting 8 to 10 targets in this one. Um, his ceiling is very limited, but you could use him in large PPR leagues as a flex play if you're in a bind. That's how you might want to consider using this guy if you're desperate. Let's look at the Jets wide receivers. Jameson Crowder, 37% available, and Demarius Thomas, 90% available. Uh, Thomas went out today, had a good day. Six catches, 84 yards. Really the best game of the season that he's had. He did on nine targets. Now, it's easy to say, well, he had nine targets. Obviously, he's not going to get that all the time, but that's not abnormal for him. That's the third time this year he's had nine targets. So he's seen about that usage. It's pretty typical for him uh, to get that. Next week, they play the Redskins, allowing the seventh most points to wide receivers. Now, if you look at the two guys out there, you look at Thomas or Crowder. Uh, Crowder is the one that's looking more and more like Sam Darnold's um, favorite wide receiver. It looks like Darnold loves this guy, and he's becoming a wide receiver that you could use weekly. Now, today he went out and he had five catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, the week before, he had eight catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. And then you go back to week one, where he had huge volume, 17 targets for 14 catches, 99 yards. That was a huge game for him there. Now, his overall numbers aren't great. He's not near the top in the NFL. And the reason why his numbers, I think, are not up there at this point is that, uh, of course, Sam Donald got hurt. He was out with Mono. And during the time he was out, they didn't have some good quarterbacks. In fact, one of the quarterbacks during his absence was Luke Falk. Um, he started a game. He was so bad, they lost 31-6. to the Jets' net passing yards were only 61 total yards on passing, and he was cut a week later. You look at four and eight games, he's at over 81 receiving yards. So I think he's a guy that you got to pick up. Once again, look at the two receivers. I would think that Demarius Thomas is going to be a wide receiver four or five. But Jamison Crowder is a guy that's going to be used, I would say, as a wide receiver three, especially if you're in PPR league scoring. He's a guy that you can start to really trust every week. We have to talk about, or at least I feel like we got to talk about Jared Cook. This guy has got some value. For starters, he plays Tampa Bay, giving up the second most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. That's great. Even more importantly, Drew Brees is back, and he has looked much improved since Drew Brees has been back. This last week, he had six catches for 74 yards. In fact, his target, his targets, excuse me, shot all the way up to 10 targets last game. The previous four games, he was averaging just four targets a game. So that is over double the amount of targets. That makes a big difference. And over the last three games, he's been a fair fantasy play, averaging 12, or excuse me, getting 12, 13, and 14 fantasy points. That's what his last few weeks have looked like. This guy's not a phenomenal. Uh, tight end he's not a Travis Kelsey but at 53% available with a quarterback like Drew Brees who seems to like to throw to him that is a good option it is at this point he's probably the safest most secure tight end option you're going to be able to get off waiver claims but that is my breakdown um, and I believe that's my last player that I have to talk about so guys as always we would encourage you to leave a comment down below 
Let us know if you have any questions or anything that you'd like to talk about, any ideas, or you just want to make fun of me and Rob, go for it. We love the comments. Um, but you guys really are the best. Thank you so much for your support. You guys have a great day, and God bless.